You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. So don't give up. You don't know where that opportunity may lie. Knock on doors, be respectful of people's time, always be grateful, and don't try to be the smartest guy in the room, but, but, but try to be the guy that's able to get into the room with the smartest guys. And when you're there, be teachable, be humble, ask questions, focus on creating value for other people, and even people that don't need you, billionaires or people worth hundreds of millions of dollars, they'll respond and maybe just because of what they see in you, maybe they'll offer you opportunities. Everything I'm sharing with you today is what has got me to the place that I am today. And I'm not saying I'm you know, the person you wanna follow. I'm sharing my story because some of you is at, have asked for it. This is Bill Powers. You're listening to Mining Stock Education. And as you're hearing this, I'm with the family in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. My son has a little league tournament, so we're turning that into a vacation. And so I pre-recorded this monologue based on a number of emails I've received over the years. Uh, some people ask for a little bit more of my backstory. Others, much younger than me, write in saying that they've turned $10,000 into 30000 or they're speculating with uh, $50,000 that they've saved up in mining stocks and the show's been a blessing to them. Recently, I received an email from a person in Ontario and this lady said she took $15,000 and it's about to be $100,000, and she attributes about half of her success to the knowledge that she learned to on this show. I know that there's an audience out there that is uh, younger than me and is using this show as one means to continue to uh, create wealth for themselves. And so with that in mind and that audience in mind of the thousands of people that listen to this show, I know that there are going to be at least a few that would benefit from and be inspired with uh, some wealth building principles and maybe that I will share that I will share and wealth build, building principles that maybe you wouldn't hear on the average uh, YouTube video that's trying to tell you how to get rich. These are some of the things that I have employed. They flow out of my worldview and have led me to the success, whatever success I've had career-wise and uh, investment-wise, these things have been a driver. And so I'm going to share that with you today and with the hopes of inspiring particularly younger people that are listening to this show. So if you're tuning in only for mining stock investing information, which obviously we cover on this show, we're not going to be talking specifically mining stocks. I'll, I will, of course, mention that. But if that's the only reason why you tune in, I'll catch you on the next show. But perhaps there'll be something that I would say in this episode that maybe somebody you know could benefit from. So with that in mind, uh, I'll share a little bit of my backstory and how I uh, got to this point. And I want to do so by talking about how I met my wife. And, and, and again, the goal is to encourage you to be successful in your career and in your investing. And so I bring up how I met my wife because I married my college sweetheart. We just celebrated 19 years of marriage. And when I was first introduced to her at an event uh, via a mutual friend, I initially was very interested and wanted to get to know her. And as I initially sized her up, thought that that would be somebody that I would want to marry. And so when I approached finding a spouse, 
And this is going to correlate back to how you can and achieve your goals. But when I assessed how uh, what I envisioned, I envisioned the end result. I envisioned the marriage I wanted. I envisioned uh, the family situation that I wanted. And coming from a divorced home, I didn't want to repeat that. Although my parents are wonderful, I didn't want to repeat that in my in my own family unit. So therefore, as a 20 year old, I would be spending Saturdays in the library reading books on uh, marriage and family. Whereas a lot of the other 20 year olds, my peers, they would not be that long term thinking at all. In fact, you know, their assessment for finding a potential spouse was, is the person attractive? And their thinking wasn't beyond the first date. Well, I had a long-term thinking. I had the end goal visualized. And when you're, when you want to achieve success, you want to start with that end goal. And then from there, you want to work back and say, am I doing today? Am I becoming today the person that could fulfill that? So in terms of a spouse, I had to ask myself, okay, what do I want in terms of a marriage and a family? And then am I becoming the person that would attract such a spouse? Oftentimes we talk about what we want in the other person, but we forget to talk about what we need to become to attract that quality of a person. And so after I met my wife through a mutual friend, I saw her in the college bookstore and we were actually checking out close to each other and uh, I got so anxious that I didn't even say anything to her, even though I had been thinking about her for for weeks after we had met. So in her mind, she later told me that she thought, oh, well, he doesn't even he doesn't even remember who I was. Well, that was not the case what at all. And so then I had a, I said to myself, what did you do? You know, that was your opportunity to follow up, to say something. And so a couple of weeks later in the college library, I saw her sitting at the computers because back then you had to go to the computers to log in through your college account and check the email. We didn't have smartphones back then. And uh, so I sat next to her and I said hi and just chatted for a bit. And she was surprised. She told me later because she didn't think I remembered her. Well, of course I remembered her, but I was still a a little nervous and a little shy of asking her to to go do something. So finally I kept on uh, thinking about her and, uh, and someone had told me, well, stop talking about it and just do it. And so I then shot an email We went for a long run and walk, and 13 months later, or 12 months later, we were married, and the rest is history. So that friend that said, you got to just do it, I'm saying to you, with your goals, what what you see that you want, that visualized outcome that you want for your life, for your career, one of the reasons why you would listen to this show to gain knowledge, to multiply your wealth, are you doing and improving, doing what it takes, are you improving yourself so that you can become the person to achieve those goals? And then when you have those opportunities, such as I had with meeting who is now my wife of 19 plus years, then you got to just do it. You got to seize the opportunity. You can't let opportunities pass you by. If you've been preparing yourself, seize those opportunities, take risks, because on the other side of those risks, if you've prepared yourself, could be great rewards. And always remember this, that little keys open big doors. So after my wife and I got married, uh, the goal actually, financially back then, was not to create a lot of money. Obviously, that's what I'm uh, inspired by and trying to achieve now through Mining Stock Investing, thus this podcast. 
However, that wasn't actually uh, the goal. In fact, both my wife and I wanted to work in the nonprofit sector for a charitable cause that we both believed in. And so after college, we went off to grad school. It was a three-year grad school full-time. We both got master's degrees. Through that period of time, we both worked multiple jobs, were teacher's assistants to get through grad school. Then on the other side of grad school, there were some employment opportunities, but we felt uh, wanted to pioneer a work in the Detroit, Michigan area, which we did. So after grad school, took a risk, basically an entrepreneur in the nonprofit sector, moved up to this area, uh, Southeast Michigan, and raised a little money to do support. But we were living on a shoestring budget. Again, money wasn't my goal. The cause to which we were working was my goal. And so that first year, uh, our son was our first son was born, and things were really tough. And some of the finances that we thought that we would have to support us to do the nonprofit work didn't come through. And so it was at that point that I started a side business. And so then I'm working on a side business and advancing the nonprofit cause uh, that we believe in. And so I did that for a a number of years. And then after a period of time, as my family began to grow, you know, you start to get more month at the end of money instead of money at the end of the month after you pay the bills. And so when you have that too many times, uh, you, you kind of reassess and say, can I continue down this path, path financially? So I concluded that I needed to transition full time into the, the for profit sector. And I had been offered opportunities in the past. In fact, when I was struggling uh, with the in the first year of our nonprofit work, the president of the graduate school that we went to actually called me just randomly one evening. And as we were chatting, I told him the situation and he said, hey, listen, if you want to move to North Carolina, I know this gentleman and he can employ you both. And at the time, if you put two salaries together, it would have been six figures, which was a ton of money to me at the time. But I passed because I believed in the vision that I was moving towards. I believed in the the cause that I was working towards. And People throughout that time, even family members would say, hey, you know, you need to get a job. You need to quit. But one thing about me is that I would always persist. If I believed in something, I was willing to work towards it. If I saw it, I would I would press towards it, even when things were difficult, even when people, very pragmatic people would say, hey, you need to stop this. You know, you're not making enough money. You do need money to get by, which, of course, you do. But I was motivated by something else. Well, then when I came to that inflection point, and I did get a sense that I accomplished uh, a lot of the goals over the years um, working in the nonprofit sector, I think it was like seven years or something after grad school, then I wanted to provide for my now growing children and their future. And I would, of course, need money to do so. So it came to that point to where, okay, what am I going to do? I'm not going to just get a job because I have and I've developed uh, many skills and I know that I have these skills. So I looked for opportunities and I had a friend who had a construction company and he had previously tried to recruit me to work on a part time basis for him because he supported me in the nonprofit work I was doing. And like literally the day that I decided okay, I'm going to uh, look for a for-profit opportunity, some sort of entrepreneurial opportunity. Literally that day, that night, there was an event that we were both at and it was like 11 p.m. after the event was concluded and we were just chatting and he said, hey, you know, my business has exploded. I have this construction company. 
just did over a million dollars of revenue this year. You know, do you want to consider coming and working for me like we talked in the past? Because I believe that it would be a good opportunity for you and your family. Thought about it for 12 hours, uh, called them back and said, yes, let's do it. Now, when I said, yes, let's do it, that was we were in debt, low income. Over the next 12 months from me giving that commitment, made six plus figures, went from having to rent a house to buy a house with cash at the end of that year. And I bring that up to say things can turn quickly. If you're willing to look for opportunities, seize opportunities, and willing to put in the work and, and press forward, be the, be the hardest worker, things can turn quickly for you. And that is a key to wealth generation. I spoke recently with someone that's worth over $100 million, and I was able to chat for several hours. And this person told me that in the, the initial part of their career, they were willing to work harder than anybody else. And this person has experienced massive success, thus they generated a lot of money, millions upon millions of dollars for themselves in a relatively short period of time. But he said, I was willing to work harder than anybody else. And he said, as I was growing my business, while everybody else was uh, vacationing, I didn't go on a vacation for years and I would work 80 plus hours a week. And you have to be able to work, do that at, at, at times. When I started in that first year of working for the construction company, uh, I didn't know how long I would be working for my friend's construction company, but it basically became a partnership and I was working 80 plus hours a week, leave the house at 6 a.m., get back at, you know, sometimes 10 10.30 uh, weekends when other people for the company would be relaxing with their families. I would be out. We did insurance restoration work. I'd be out knocking on doors, generating like literally $150,000 worth of business over one Saturday. And that paid off and that paid off quickly. Within 10 months, I was able to buy a house with cash. Then I bought that house with cash. 18 months later, I was able to sell that house for twice as much as I bought it. Bought an even nicer house, more out in the country because we were in an urban area. Got six plus acres with my family. A nice middle class house where we live now. And another key to success in growing your wealth is that live beneath your means. Yes, you could have the flashy car. You could have the nice clothes. Maybe you could get qualified for a loan. But then all of that money that you're spending on a month to month basis on things that aren't generating you wealth that may give you more of an appearance of having the status of wealth, those things aren't actually going towards growing your wealth. They're hindering you on a month or month basis because they're, they're bleeding your cash flows. If you would see what I drive right now, I drive a 2005 uh, Toyota, Toyota Sienna. That's my favorite vehicle, which I bought cash, 4,500 bucks. It should just, the guy should have sold it for 7,500 bucks. It only had 68,000 miles on it. Well, when I'm driving my kids around, that's the vehicle I like to drive because I'm not interested in appearing to have wealth. I'd rather have a reliable vehicle that's paid off, that, that does the job, and then I'd rather put my wealth uh, that I've accumulated into other things. If I'm going to splurge for me, what's, a, what's important is I'm going to splurge on my kids. I'm going to buy my son who likes soccer. I'm going to buy him a $1,500 full-size regulation soccer goal, which we have set up here on our property. I splurge on trampolines. We have two massive commercial grade 
13 by 23 uh, uh, feet uh, long commercial grade trampolines that the whole family can jump on at the same time, 2,500 bucks. Uh, my other son bought him a $400 baseball bat. They're on travel baseball teams. My little girl is a level seven USA uh, gymnast, which costs a lot of money every year. Well, for me, and what's important to me, if I'm going to splurge, I want to splurge on other people. And that's one of the motivating factors that I have as I'm uh, generating wealth through my business, through businesses that I've had in the past and, and worked, and through mining stock investing, is that my goal isn't just to spend it upon myself. And I'm not saying it's wrong to have uh, goals of generating wealth so that you can have nicer clothes, a nicer house, a nicer car. I'm not saying that's wrong. I am saying limit that so that you don't overspend too quickly before you have wealth and you have assets and you have passive income that can then support that spending. But if you can be motivated by a factor beyond just giving yourself something, some status, recognition that comes with wealth or buying some fancy thing for yourself and, and splurging on yourself, if you can be motivated by something else, it's a more powerful and more sustaining motivating factor for me to be motivated to provide for my family to provide for my kids education, extracurricular activities, all these things that they can have, and to support charitable causes. That's a stronger motivating factor for me than just having money so that my life is a little more comfortable for myself because now I support on an annual basis charitable causes, the, the same causes, even some of the people that supported me, I now support in the in charitable work that they do, but I'm able to give even more than I earned, I give more on an annual basis than I earned myself when I was doing that very work. And so that's one of the things that motivates me. And, and that brings me to a point in terms of wealth generation that I'd like to point out that perhaps you wouldn't get on many people that are talking about how to generate wealth is be generous. Think of others. My parents taught me to always give at least 10% of my income to uh, charity growing up. They taught me that as a little boy and as a teenager. And that's something that I've, I've taken with me. And even when I was struggling financially, uh, when I was doing nonprofit work, at, at times I would give up to 20% of my income to charity. And I didn't have a lot, but I just believed in the principle that, that if you sow, you will eventually reap. Some people call it karma, but I operate by that principle that if you're generous, if you give to others, it's going to come back to you and it'll come back to you in ways that you may not expect and from locations and sources that you may not expect. And a, a key to generating wealth too uh, that I've learned along the way is focus on creating value for somebody else. Don't just focus on what you want for yourself. Again, uh, get your eyes off yourself. If you want to be successful and if you want to generate wealth, don't be self-absorbed. If you can focus on generating wealth for somebody else, as a result of that, and, and providing utility and value for somebody else, as a result of that, you are going to end up getting wealthy. Have you ever talked to somebody on a cell phone? And, you know, you're talking to them, and then they put you on speakerphone. They put the speakerphone down on the counter, and they open a bag of Doritos. And they open the bag of the Doritos right next to the microphone. Their mouth is four feet away from the speaker that's sending you the audio signal and they're crinkling the Doritos and then they take the Doritos out and they're crunching it in your mouth. 
They're having a conversation with you, but they're not prioritizing you. They're thinking about actually themselves and they're hungry. They want Doritos, not even realizing that all this crinkling is like an explosion. It's like thunder and a thunderstorm in your ear, right? I had a guy that tried to sell me a life insurance policy, a young guy once, and he's on speakerphone in his office, probably leaning back in his chair like a big shot, even when he's just out of college trying to start his business. I have the phone to my ear and he's probably 10 feet away from a speakerphone. I can't even hear him. And I finally had to tell him, I said, listen, are you on speakerphone? I can't even hear you. And I'm losing patience trying to listen to you. And then he said, okay, I'm sorry. And he picks up the phone and then I can hear him as he speaks into the receiver. Okay. Those people, when they're speaking into the phone, they're not thinking about the other person. They're not thinking about the listening experience for the other person. Well, you need to think about how you can create value for somebody else. And when you start a business, or even if you're an employee within a business, if you can think along those terms, you're going to look for opportunities to create value or utility for somebody else. And people will respond to that. People will refer you. People will give you blessings, financial blessings that you may not even Think, and that will open up doors of opportunity. You won't need to ask for referrals. People will be beating down your door with opportunities or asking uh, for, for you to service them. And so focus on creating value for somebody else. And don't be limited by what you see. Just like I shared the story of how before I was married and before I even met my wife, I, I visualized the outcome. And I, I worked back from there and I tried to become the person that could obtain the wonderful wife that I have now so that I could create the wonderful family that I have now. And through that journey in the nonprofit work, I created something that didn't exist. I wasn't only limited by what I could see. And at times there were people that would say, listen, you need to stop this. But there were also people that would encourage me in what I was trying to do. But because I had that vision, it kept me going when things were tough. And, and even with this podcast and what it's become, when I got in, involved and interested in mining stocks in late 2015, early 2016, I tried to find information specific to mining stock and investing. And at the time, I realized that there was not a lot of information out there on it, really on YouTube or especially in, in the audio podcast uh, realm. And I mean, I, I looked because I was working in construction at the time and I wanted to have a bunch of mining stock investing input so I could learn. And so because of that, I said, you know what? I'm not an expert, right? And it's going to be called mining stock education because hopefully it provides educational content, but it's actually going to be my own education as I do it. So I just started it as on the side and I started it, I'd get up at 4 a.m. before I go to work, uh, running crews, managing 30 people. And I would get up and I would do it at 4 a.m. before and put together some of those initial videos. And then I'd interview somebody in London at 5, 6 a.m. my time or somebody in Vancouver at uh, 7, 8 p.m. my time. And I just did what I could on the side because I saw the potential for what it become what it could become. And it evolved into what it is now. And now I'm a full-time investor. I run this show and I had this vision for what I'm doing now, late 2016, December, 2016, after focusing on mining stock investing for a year is when I had the vision for what the show has become. 
and, and for what my investment portfolio has become. So I wasn't limited by what I could see. I devoted the time and attention to it that I could, but I also made learning about mining stock investing my hobby. And that's another key point that you need to do. Your hobby has to serve the end goal of accomplishing your goals. So if you do fantasy football, fine, but are you taking away or your golf, uh, you like to golf, that's fine. Golf costs you money, not makes you money unless you're really, really good, which you probably won't be on the, the PGA Tour. So are you, with your free time, div- is your hobby making money? And that's something you have to do. If you're going to generate wealth, you need to use that free time and devote it towards learning and, and taking in inputs that's going to educate you and equip you to further make money. Because I'm so involved in my kid's life, my hobbies are running my kids around to all their educational and athletic things. And my, my hobby was learning about how to invest in mining stocks. And it still is. I consume 10 to 15, 20 hours a week beyond my own show of investment information via podcasts and articles. A lot of the podcasts as I'm exercising or driving my kids around, I I put them in the car and I say, hey, listen, I'm going to be listening to this guy talk about investing as I drive you to your thing. Just just so you know, I got to do both at the same time. And it's become my hobby and it started to become my hobby back in 2016. And I've reaped the rewards to now where I have a very robust uh, resource investment portfolio that's doing very well. And if my investment thesis plays out for all the companies that I've invested in over the next two, three, four, five years, I should be very set financially. I'm in a a very good position. And I started off with no knowledge in tens of thousands of dollars invested back in early 2016 to now in 2021, a substantial amount of money invested in a very nice resource portfolio. And all of that came 10 years ago, as I shared, I was, I was in debt and not making a lot of money, but I, I worked hard. I, I saw the visualized outcome. I didn't give up. I looked for opportunities. I took on as my hobby, wealth building activities. And I was generous along the way. I focused on creating value for someone else. I worked hard. I worked 80 hours a week. I worked on weekends. I got up early. I shot emails late uh, at at night when other people are watching TV. And along the way, as I mentioned, I got to speak with, you know, someone worth a hundred plus million dollars and pick their brain and You've heard a lot of my interviews over these last years, how I've been able to pick the brains of literally billionaires. You, you, you heard what's on the recording. And a lot of times I get to chat with these very wealthy and smart people uh, after the recording. And one of the things, another thing to think about is that, you know, don't try, don't strive to appear to be the smartest guy in the room. The show is called Mining Stock Education. I didn't start off with that much mining stock knowledge. I'm a lot smarter now, five, six years later than I was when I started. And I feel like I've had some success under my belt and I feel like I can have a lot more success in the future. And there's a a lot more opportunities that are opening up to me, but, you know, stay humble. Don't try to be the smartest guy in the room because I'd rather be the dumbest person in the room 
with some of the smartest guys in the sector, uh, whether that's mining stock investment, as I've been able to speak to a lot of these very smart people, or even when I was in the nonprofit sector. When I was in the nonprofit sector and I was growing the organization at that time, I reached out to somebody that had the success that I was striving towards, and I drove from Detroit down to Atlanta and said, can I talk to you for a day? He gave me a couple hours of his time in the afternoon and then drove back to Detroit. You said you drove from Detroit to Atlanta just to talk to a guy? Yeah, I, I tried to get before smart people and ask the right questions. And then a few months later, I said, you know what? If I want to learn from this guy, I emailed him. I said, hey, can I literally come to your organization for six weeks and just see what you do? And he thought about it. He said, sure. So then I went down there for six weeks and just learned. And at that time, he was hosting a conference with some of the smartest and most influential people in the line of work that that we were doing, nonprofit work. And so you know who in his 94 Toyota Corolla was driving all these super important, even famous within that that particular line of work uh, sector? It was me picking him up from the airport or driving him to the airport. What gets to happen during that time? I get to talk to these people. I get to pick their brain for an hour as they're sitting in the passenger seat of my 94 Corolla. And so I was able to be the dumbest person in the car with these very, very smart and successful people. And and that has been uh, something that that has propelled me forward is because it's better than any book you can read. And, And you do that by being humble, by... Uh, by respecting people's time and by knocking on the little doors because small keys can open big doors. And yeah, there may be a thousand closed doors, but maybe it's that nine, 999th door that's going to open. So don't give up. You don't know where that opportunity may lie. Knock on doors, be respectful of people's time, always be grateful and don't try to be the smartest guy in the room. But, but try to be the guy that's able to get into the room with the smartest guys. And when you're there, be teachable, be humble, ask questions, focus on creating value for other people. And even people that don't need you, billionaires or people worth hundreds of millions of dollars, they'll respond. And maybe just because of what they see in you, maybe they'll offer you opportunities. Everything I'm sharing with you today is what has got me to the place that I am today. And I'm not saying I'm, you know, the person you want to follow. I'm sharing my story because some of you have asked for it. Others of you may not be interested in anything I just said. So if you want to give me feedback, if you're one of those people that didn't like this monologue, uh, the email address is spamfolder at miningstockeducation.com. That again is spamfolder at miningstockeducation.com. But in all seriousness, I'm thankful that this show, based on some feedback that I've gotten, has been able to help you in your mining stock journey and wealth building pursuits. Uh, I'm seriously grateful for your listenership. I wish you the best. Thanks for your feedback and uh, just everything that you've given me as, as the host of this show over these now four and a half years. My sincere thanks. And from the depths of my heart, I hope that you are successful 
in whatever you pursue in life and that this show can continue to be a blessing to you to give you knowledge and just insights, hearing from different perspectives, learning about investment opportunities so that you can make money and achieve your goals. Bill Powers, signing off. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.